You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. I found myself in comedy, almost. I realized the one thing I wasn't comfortable with in acting, because I was new to it, was auditioning. I was never taught that in acting school, so I, I went on every audition I could, every possible audition, things that I just wasn't right for. What did you learn about auditioning that was different from what you learned about acting? It's this weird thing where you kind of have to go in there with the attitude that you don't want it, that you don't need it, or, or at least make it less important to you somehow. All right, we got Payne is in the building, Rob Corddry from Ballers, my, yep. one of my favorite HBO shows. I have to say one of because... I love all of HBO shows. Yeah, they don't make a. They make pretty good shows. Yeah, <laughs> they, they do. But but I've been watching Baller since the start. It's um, just to quickly. I'm going to just quickly describe that and describe your background, and then we'll get into the weeds of it. Baller is about to do uh, their newest season, season four, which I've been watching is awesome. Uh, uh, and by the way, Rob, every few months it's like I always. You know, HBO Go, I, I always check ballers. Is the new season out? Is the new season out? Now, finally, I've been able to watch the new season preparing yeah. for this. It's like Christmas. Yes, it is. It's, I've it's been like waiting for it Christmas. forever. Because I feel like the distance between either one and two or two and three was shorter. So I'm always like expecting it to just like come I, out the next day. I can think it was. It was shorter. It was like a month. Uh, it's a month longer this this time around, I think. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so uh, I guess the best way to describe it is like entourage meets sports management. Um, just in the sense that HBO, it's like this classic HBO genre of going behind the scenes of a real world industry with real world people and bringing in fictional characters to sort of dominate it. Like Entourage, That's it's right. like behind the scenes of a real Hollywood yeah. uh, movie star. Larry Sanders show, uh, which yes. John, where John Stewart, we'll get to him in a second, <laughs> um, had a major part in. The Larry Sanders show was sort of behind the scenes of a, a talk mm -hmm. show and was just brilliant with, with Gary Shandling. Um, so you've also done some of my favorite movies, particularly uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, <laughs> which was just insane. It was like insanely good, given the premise. It was a lot of, it was uh, anarchy, you know, in a way. A comedy of anarchy. And you told me the guy was just like riffing on that as a joke. Or you, you said in an interview, the guy was just riffing on that in, in a joke and then just made the, the, the script for fun of, for fun it, of had, it. It had been like a running joke of theirs since high school. A hot tub time machine, and then they thought, "Let's write this movie. Let's let's you know." And uh, it was yeah, kind of like a joke on Hollywood. How did they pitch that? I don't know. You know, it's probably one of those things where they went in so with something else. <laughs> they went in with something else, and they were like, ah, "We don't want that. What else you got?" And then you have to just come up with something. And hot tub time machine was just uh, there. Right, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna skip around a little bit because I want to get to the ballers. But when you were auditioning for hot tub time machine. <laughs> 
what did they have you do? Like, how did you 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 fit a very specific role in that movie, and you were brilliant. But like, what did you? You're right. How I can't did you even get that role. I didn't. Uh, I did not have to audition for that. That was like the first movie I ever just got an offer for, um, which was a great like uh, corner turning in in a in a career. But like, I have no idea what that audition would have been. You know, like just to, like. They throw a bunch of curse words into uh, onto the the floor and just see what you do with them. Well, it's interesting that 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 you say that you didn't audition for that one because I I will on the Daily Show. So you were a correspondent, quote unquote, correspondent on the Daily Show for for four or five years, two thousand two mm-hmm. to two thousand six, and I think and that I think you sort of built up this personality <laughs> as a, a likable jerk. Right, right, right. And so I guess that's what, and, and you had that on steroids in Hot Tub Time Machine. That's right. That's right. So I, I, I guess they must have just like pictured you, like who else could, who else would you have cast for that role? It, oh my God, for, for my role? Yeah. Um, well, I think Rob Hubel could have done it. You know, know Rob? I don't know. You do, you've seen him in, in everything. Uh, he's got this great show that you should watch the second this is over called Do You Want to See a Dead Body? Uh, and the whole premise is I'm not going to forget that title. No, his whole premise is a celebrity. He runs into a celebrity playing themselves, and he says, uh, "What are you up to? Hey, you want to hang out? No? Do you want to see a dead body?" <laughs> and they just go on this journey to see a dead body. It's 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 hilarious. But we play very similar characters. You know the the kind of, um, you know the guy that is is should be very unlikable, but there's something likable about them. Well, because it makes me think in Ballers, like when I first. First off, you, 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 season one, everybody t- turns it on because it's it's HBO and and The Rock is doing this serious. For him, it's a serious it's a, yeah. role. He's not it's playing a like a kindergarten teacher with a baby or anything. Like he's <laughs> that's right. This is like he's a a, a former All Pro uh, football player down on his luck who you recruit basically to monetize his his sports relationships yeah. and you you together throughout throughout the arc of the series get more more and more heavily invested in the in in the sports management industry. Yeah, he's basically um I uh I my character at least season 1 just really wanted to be part of that world. He's a big sports fan and this was just his way in. He's like I'm going to hire this dude who I know is smart and then I'll I'll be an athlete too <laughs> in, in, a, in a way. But you know that it's funny you say that because we were talking earlier, and I said I love the show, and you you were mentioning how Senator Senator uh, Elizabeth yeah, Warren, right. the good senator from Massachusetts, yeah, and how it's weird the demographic is like all yeah. over the place for the show. But I find the show, even though it's a sitcom, I laugh, I'm, and the story, it, the writing's great. I'm intrigued with this. There's always good <clears throat> arcs for each uh, season, great arcs for each season. I find the show to be oddly aspirational. Like I watch an episode and I'll just go do push-ups afterwards. <laughs> I don't know I why. Did. Like like everything about the show, I feel like I want to do that jump from the opening credits where the yeah, guy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, I could yeah. do it. If they could do it on a sitcom, I could do it. Yeah, it's a pretty satisfying show, I guess. You know, like I was saying before, it's a, it's not a head scratcher. You don't have to do a lot of work. Um, and, uh, you know, it's definitely just a show you can tune out to it, but it's also, you know, there, you can engage yourself as well. It's, uh, it's one of the most fun times I've ever had, uh, doing this job. You guys look like you're having so much yeah. fun. And this is also, we're going to get it again. Um, um, we're going to get into the arc of things. Yeah. Just, but these are just bullet points. <laughs> this is, this is, I feel like this is one of the main, the biggest roles you've had where you're 
just a performer uh, as opposed to being involved in the writing and yes. so on. And so, because you, you've, you, you know, we didn't mention you, you, you've done like a, I don't know how many seasons, seven seasons of Children's Hospital That's right, on yeah. uh, Adult Swim, yeah. which is just an insane parody of a children's hospital. Oh. Even the title I should mention is spelled without apostrophe S. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I hate you, it when that's misspelled with the apostrophe. Yeah. Yeah. How did you even think of that? Um, we just thought that there. Yeah. At, at first, it wasn't even a children's hospital. Like it was just named after the Arthur Children's, the founder. Um, I think it was just a quick joke. It was just you know the the, the quickest funniest joke we had in the moment, and and uh, and it stuck. A lot of like the Brazil, you know that that. Children's Hospital was oh, ostensibly yeah, set in Brazil, right. which they would always go back to like that. Of course, Brazil, which is where we are. This <laughs> hospital is in Brazil. Well, that was a one-off <laughs> improvised joke that David Wayne just gave um, Megan Mullally to say. And it's become our, our only mythology that, that, that is stuck. Well, <clears throat> it, it's funny because um, inside the hospital, Basically, everybody looks American, like U.S. That's right, that's right. And then suddenly they walk outside, and yep. everything's like, like people straight out of Mardi Gras, are like that's walking right. around. And, yeah. uh, and, and we actually whole... went to Brazil once. We went to Rio, really, to and film shot it? fifteen seconds that we didn't even need. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had already edited uh, the the whole episode, and we cut thirty seconds worth of valuable story material just so we could use this fifty seconds in in Brazil. That, Which you no, know, everybody thought was a green screen anyway. It doesn't matter. But wait, when they're walking around like Brazil, that's just a set. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it kind of the joke is I think you're fooling your brain fools yourself into thinking it looks like Brazil because we made no effort except that one 15 second uh, period to to make it look like Brazil at all. Like, and, and you you've once said that um, so so you basically created and and wrote a lot of it, and you basically once said you got uh, all your friends to be in it. Yeah. And it just goes to show you when you're when you surround yourself with the people you want to work with, great things happen. This is like a yes. hilarious. I, I, how much of it is like improv and how much of it is scripted? Um, yeah, it's funny. You know, it's I, I love it when people ask me that because it means there is that there is a loose quality to it that that we were definitely going for. But it's very tightly scripted. If uh, if you can believe that, we we used to bang our heads against desks writing that thing and. But then, when on the day of shooting, you're you're working with some of the greatest improvisers around, so it would be dumb not to let them, you know, riff. So, so this is all on a tangent off ballers, but I still want to ask about Children's Hospital. There is a huge um, minute to joke, or maybe a huge yeah, yeah, joke yeah. to minute ratio. Yeah. Getting my math right, just you know, and there are eleven to twelve minute shows or fifteen yep. minute shows. Just what are you? I kind of want to get into the, and I know this is hard, but I kind of want to get into just what is the the structure of a joke when you're when you're when you're writing a show like that. Um, that maybe that's a dumb question. No, it's I don't know if there is a particular structure. I would say, however, that the 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 one through line would be that no matter what you're saying, it it's with you're you're on a drama. That like fifth, that Children's Hospital in the mythology was the longest running hospital drama ever, and. <laughs> And that just play it like it's a you know it's it's always played without a wink, um, and and it's the most that's the highest stakes, uh, most important thing. It, it sort of makes me think of um, what the 
what the Eric Andre show is to late night, <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, children's yeah. hospital is to like hospital dramas, which is basically you keep the entire structure mm-hmm. uh, of what that genre is, yeah. but you change one element. And that's, what's, that's, right. that's where all the humor is created. That's right. Yeah. And so like Eric Andre, it's totally every aspect. Explain of that it, show to me <laughs> because that's one of those that you watch. I love that show, but it's one of the, I, I get nervous almost watching it sometimes. Because you I don't get, know when he's going like, to no, go crazy. No, I get, I get afraid for the people I don't, whether they're in on it or not. Like I get afraid. I get afraid for myself, I, but I love that. But I Children's lo- Hospital is like that. Like <laughs> when's yeah, the baby so. going to die? Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. For, you know so, so, like, so Eric Andre's show, Every element you would think is normally in a late night show is there, mm-hmm. except Eric Andre is roughly a, a, a temp worker who doesn't know what he's doing. You know, yeah. this is the way I think <laughs> of it. That's right. That's right. That's good. And that's and, the talk show. And whoever is editing it, I know they do it very much on purpose. That the weird editing style, but um, I like to imagine that that's the first time they've sat down at an editing editing bay. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, the editing is brilliant because they could take any point. And say Just coming right back, it. and they never come back to that. And it's point. wrong. It's always wrong. They're always cutting to the wrong thing, right. which is so right. I don't know how they do it. Um, so it's a very different show, but it is very similar too. Yeah, in that it, it is uh, takes a genre, yeah, it takes one a genre. element, yeah. And yeah. and the element you basically change is that it's a drama. There's dramatic story points. Yeah. you know, typical to like ER or any mm-hmm. you know ho- classic hospital or medical drama. And then I guess the element you change is that essentially it's a parody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we started off being more of a parody. Like the first season or two was more of strictly a, a parody of hospital shows, but we kind of ran out because it wasn't. It, it became less satisfying to parody hospital shows, um, but rather keep that framework. And we ended up being sort of um, like paying homages almost to to different genres of movies and TV. Like we would always do action. We love doing action and science fiction. And, um, uh, it, it, you know, we, we, we'd subtly send up things like um, Do the Right Thing, we, one of my favorite episodes, you know, um, called Is It Hot Enough For You? Uh, I, I don't know that one. What did you do with it's, that one? Um, it's basically, there's just jazz playing through the whole thing, and it's very steamy. And it's because it's the hottest day of the year, chaos erupts. Uh, and when chaos finally erupts, it means like there is just chaos in the emergency room. There's At one point, in the background, the very deep background, you see a Chinese dragon, <laughs> like a parade uh-huh. dragon. Um, and uh, I believe I get killed for the first or second time. To my character. So, so l- let me ask you a question because I'm still um I want to understand exactly like parody. Like I remember one episode of ER I saw where it was very sad. Like someone was hurt or they had a disease and they had one hour left before they became completely paralyzed. So whoever, whatever <laughs> loved one needed to talk to them needed to get in there in that one hour and it was a tearjerker yeah. at, at the at the end because they finally went paralyzed. So like, how would you parody? That how would you parody that? Um, I think probably uh, the doctors would do all they can to like speed the paralysis along, so they could just go home, or Uh like they they just hated waiting. (laughs) You know, the they knew they were going to stop it, so like you know they'd probably um, I don't know, uh, but like how would you turn up the AC in this room and like so 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 just going along with that, like you still can't make them seem 
evil because part of it is is that they're a little clueless. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not yeah. in a dramatic. They're self-absorbed, really. Right. Yeah. So how would you make it seem that they're not evil as opposed to just being clueless? I guess, you know, they'd hold the person's hand and they would very seriously say like, and, and remember, we're not trying to get you, make you paralyzed. Okay. That's like, well, I didn't think you were. What? Where? <laughs> Are you trying to make me paralyzed? Um, so that would, yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, that would be the, the take. So, so and, I, and again, I, well, okay. I'm, I'm going to go back to the first tangent, but then I have another angle on Children's Hospital. So uh, Ballers, you're turning on season one. Most people are turning on, I would say, because of The Rock. Yep. And this is being his first real series and you know the idea of sports management so so many people are into sports it's a sitcom it's coming from the entourage group they got the guys who produced that so there's a lot of reasons to to watch it and you're you come on the screen and at very at, in the very first few moments you're there or the first episode i'm trying to figure out is this guy supposed to be likable <laughs> or is he just like a jerk to everyone and of course you, there's a nice playoff with your boss. There is even, you know, a super like a legitimate jerk, you know, mostly. Right, right. And um, but but then you realize, oh, he's he's doing it in this real. He's playing this jerk, but in this super laid back way that actually makes the character extremely likable. And I think that's your style. I think he's sympathetic. Like, uh, I I I have I can't play a character if I don't have sympathy for them. Mm -hmm. And I think Joe is just very endearing. In a way of how um, kind of clueless he can be, and and how wide-eyed he is sometimes in this world. He loves loves being part of things. I don't. I think like if if I were to uh, write a biography biography character biography for him, uh, he probably was not like one of the cool kids in high school, and he's just always wants to be part of the gang. And then when he's invited, he says the wrong thing. And, and, but the good thing is. He rolls with it in the sense yeah. that he doesn't take it too seriously. It doesn't all, ruin his they're life. all making fun of him on everything exactly. he says. Exactly. And, but that's why they like him. Yeah. It's because he just sort of rolls with it. All the yeah. athletes, you know, super athletes and, and so on. Yeah. Well, I, I like playing those characters because I'm from Boston. And it seemed like I had, you know, three different groups of friends I had. There was always that one guy who was, you know, to quote Hot Tub, uh, he's an asshole, but he's our asshole. You know? And and I had a lot of friends that were like, just you, they, they're a lot. They're a handful, but you can't do anything without them. They're they're a lot of fun too. Well, and and you know then, the I think in this upcoming season, this latest season, this is the most personal for the Joe Joe Crutel character that you play. You know he there's a lot of revelation about him in this mm -hmm. latest season. <laughs> yeah. what, what was the conscious decision to say, hey, let's let's open up the books a little on Joe's biography? Um. I don't know. You know, it took them a while. They told me uh, about, you know, Joe has this sort of, did he or did he not murder his wife, <laughs> perhaps, uh, right. thing that gets a little more explored this uh, this season. They told me at my meeting, my first meeting with Steve Levinson uh, to do the show. And so it's definitely been a slow burn, which I think is something they're very good at. Like, it's just dangling a tiny little carrot. Like, oh, you remember this wife thing? Yeah, here's a little bit more. Um, but I think, uh, I don't know, really. I just think they enjoy uh, Dwayne and my, Dwayne's and my character's interaction. Yeah, you guys have a, a lot of chemistry. In we part have a good because rapport, yeah. he trusts you and then you go to trust him as more than just a football player you're trying to monetize. Yeah, well, he, at first I was his boss the first season. Right. And, you know, I watched that season and it it seems so wrong to me because – 
Joe, it seemed it seems more appropriate to his character that he would be he prefers to be the guy behind the guy, the subservient one, the the one he's he's very loyal and like I will back you. That's literally I think I say this every season. I am I disagree with you, but I'm going to back you on this one, you know? And then in well in season 4 there's a moment where of course he backs you. Yeah, it's big. It's, and it's tricky. It's really different. The like Joe really pushes it. A huge a huge vent- venture that that Spencer Dwayne's character wants nothing to do with. And uh and and Joe doesn't really let it go until they get it. And then of course, you know, things you know, happen. Things happen. <laughs> Chaos happens. And yeah. then and then maybe that's why to balance that off, they 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 make it much more personal for you. You know, to kind of give your motivations. I think so. Like, if you're spending more time with a character, and 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 that character has more agency, then yeah, you kind of have to open the books on the character a little bit more, or it's just you know built on a foundation of sand. And then and then and you know, uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm not. I know zero about sports. Mm-hmm. I I don't even know the rules to football. There's a lot of football in this, <laughs> um, but I love it. And the show has you know. Has a lot about reinvention. Every every season, I feel yeah. the characters are reinventing themselves in a very realistic way, in a growth way, and yeah. um, that happens a lot in this last season. But you know, how do you see, you know, Dwayne Johnson, the, the Rock? Like he kind of grows a lot through the series. Um, it's yeah, not, it's not just about him. The series, of course, but I think his arc is what is what draws the initial viewers in. But it's also it is also the main A story. You know, it, it's the main story. Um and he I think he's just a really interesting character in that um he he's uh, the he has the best intentions, like really honorable intentions for the most part, but he also has a ton of problems. Um and so he's always complicating things by by making business personal um, and doing things for the wrong reasons, but then in the end, usually making it right again in some so, grand way. So if you were like, so just from a writing perspective, mm. if you were to say, okay, take that, <laughs> Steve Cohen, our podcast producer, making a guest appearance. <laughs> from a from a writing perspective, I mean, it almost seems very classically written. Like it almost like every mm. s- season. Feels like oh of course they're gonna do this yeah and, yeah um, like it feels not like that it's easy to write but that you and Dwayne Johnson give them stuff to work with I think that's definitely the case they they have told me a, a bunch of the writers that they love writing for us um, but but I don't know like you said before like this is this is the first show I've done in a while where I haven't had anything to do with the the writing or producing and that was very much on purpose you know I know I could have gone to them. Uh, early on, and said, "Hey, I'd like to come in the writers' room and maybe uh, write an episode someday, or direct one, or whatever." And and I held myself back because I I, I wanted this show to just be this. Just but, I just want to act. But they could, you could tell they are writing for your voice. Like so, I sure, yeah. You know, I've watched you a lot of your stuff, and and I even watched when you were on Ari Shafir's uh, show, and you were t- doing the uh, six minute story about uh-huh. your fence, and yeah. that was your character. You know. I think it's a little different, but you ha- they're writing for your voice. They know your voice mm-hmm. and, and your personality and your, your comic personality. Mm-hmm. So you could tell, that, that, did you audition for this role or they just called you? Which one? Which one? Ballers. Uh, I know, they just called me, yeah. Uh, I, had, I guess my audition was the meeting. Uh, I had met with Steve Levinson, the creator, 
Um, and his dad was there. His dad, who I've come to know as Papa Dave, uh, he's a, he's a producer on the show. Produces everything, co-produces whatever uh, of his son Steve Levinson's uh, stuff. But um, he he's this old you know New York guy, and he he looked me up and down, sort of, and he whispered something to to, to Lev, his son, and then he went, went to the bar, mm. and we had our meeting. And I heard later on, like everybody goes through Papa Dave, mm. you know, he just. He has a he has a way of knowing if it's right or wrong, and then and Steve really like, uh, you know, puts a lot of uh, gives that a lot of weight. But um, my my we just talked about fantasy football the whole meeting me and Steve and and it was uh, you know that 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 I think got me the gig and they started writing that into my character too that um, I knew enough about football but I knew a lot about fantasy football which is. Basically, like Dungeons and Dragons for sports, and and you play fantasy football in I real do. life, I guess. I do. Yeah, you still do. Oh yeah. I'm Are in people like three leagues? Oh man, Joe from Ballers is on our fantasy team. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're so psyched about that. Uh, uh, you know, because uh, all these teams are based in LA, so like, it's. I don't think that's a big deal. So, so I don't even know if they know I'm on Ballers. That that's funny. They must they must watch it. It's like the. Probably There's not that know. many sport, great sports sitcoms yeah. out there. I'm not sure. I don't know. I can't even. I don't. My brother's the biggest sports fan I know, and and he's an actor as well. I don't know if he watches it. We've never mentioned it. We've never talked about it. That's so funny. Why do you think? I don't, we have better things to talk about. I guess you know. They talk about life and stuff. <laughs> than either of your careers? <laughs> hardly ever. Hardly ever. Like if there's something big, you know, like boy, this is really giving me a hard time. Well. We're very good friends. We're like best friends. We will talk it out and help each other because we have a similar language. We both understand the the business and we're family. So it's a he's a good support. But I have no idea, no idea if he watches ballers. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, If you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. 
and listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the, the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, if you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Before ball, many years before ballers, uh, kind of the start of your name getting out there and the country knowing who you were. You were on the Daily Show with John Stewart. Mm-hmm. You were a correspondent. All your pieces were were so funny. What was that process like? Were you um, were, were you always kind of doing sketches? Were you ever doing like joke writing for them, or what was? What yeah. Was the story? Well, yeah. The thing is, um, you know, it's funny. Like right after I left, like when Ed Helms and I had left the show, they finally made the correspondence writers because we were writing the field pieces where we'd go out and interview people with a producer. So so th- that stuff we were writing. Um, the stuff in the studio, no. I mean, that's very st- strictly the writer's room. And then John rewrites the whole show after mm-hmm. rehearsal for the most part, yeah. So so what happens? There's um, You get there in the morning... Yeah, 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 yeah. You 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 saunter in, uh, you know, before lunch, hopefully, um, <clears throat> unless you have something to do that day and you you have a, like a call time. But um, yeah, usually I'd get there at about ten or eleven. Um, and uh, if you're working on a piece, you'd work on the piece, whether that be writing it, um, you know, writing an outline, having meetings to to pitch jokes for it, um, or getting ready to go out and do it. You know, or even just finding these things. I would spend a lot of time. You know, it was the only time I've ever read USA Today religiously. Um, you, that's the paper, right? USA yeah. Today, <laughs> the, the hotel paper. Yeah. Um, they have this great section where it's like every state in the country, and there'll just oh, yeah. be this little quirky story. That I found a lot of material that way. And then you would write it up for the man on the street stuff. I would just or? pitch it. No, no, no. Yeah, oh, yeah. I would or, just or pitch it, and and if John, every anybody on the show, right down to the 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 newest PA or intern, could pitch story ideas to John, and then John would select a handful of them, and and they'd assign them. And so, like I like one that I saw. I mean, I like them all. The one I saw, uh, your John says we're gonna. Check out, you know, we have, we have Rob Corddry checking out modern TV, and you analyze how the last trend was all the kind of reality slash gay shows like Queer Eye and, mm-hmm. and all this, and then the, and then you start analyzing the ones where the reality shows where people were born rich. So uh, I, I, I don't even remember that was a hilarious. It rings a bell. <laughs> a hilarious one, and what I like about that is 
is your, I guess this is how you would define satire is that you're taking them very seriously. Like these are very serious trends. Yes. yes. And you're, you're making conclusions that are funny, but you're yeah. taking it seriously. Yeah, very much so. And I so, love doing that. So the, are the writers, how much, how much, because it still has a very improv feel and it has your com comedic talents. How much is it the writers? How much of it's you? Well, on the day when you're interviewing somebody, you know, you're, when we were doing, we only had, we were sitting there for like five or six hours interviewing these people. And we would get as much material as possible, knowing that 90% of the time, the story we went in there hoping to get was not the story we came out with. So there was a lot of improv um, on the day during those, during those interviews. And it was it, it, sometimes very tense, you know, because the producer behind the camera would toss out some lines as well. And you could see the interview subject start to get it. You know, because you can't imagine what the Daily Show's take on an issue is going to be, or or a subject, or this person's real life. And when they do get it, there's a moment of panic where they're like, "Oh, what have I done?" And then a moment of panic on my end, like, "Oh God, he's going to run. He's going to run. I got to get him back." But um, how many years of improv were you doing before you felt? You got you had the skills to do something like that, like the oh, Daily God, Show. Oh God, man! Because you, you did a lot of improv from your beginning years in New York City in the '90s with, yeah. with UCB, the Albright Citizens Brigade. Well, I started out in New York, like uh, considering my fancying myself a very important Shakespearean actor. Like I was doing off, off, off Broadway Shakespeare, crappy, crappy Shakespeare, and um, I, you know, I was touring with the National Shakespeare Company, which sounds a lot better than it is, and. Um, we uh, and then I just I went this my process was I found myself in comedy almost because I realized on one hand I was doing Shakespeare which has this lofty sort of um, feel to it and yet I was playing jackasses I would always play the guy that falls over and you know the fool um, and then I I realized the one thing I wasn't comfortable with uh, in in acting because I was new to it was auditioning. I was never taught that in, in school, in acting school. So I, I went on every audition I could, every possible audition, things that I just wasn't right for. Um, and, and then I started getting better and booking things. What did you learn about auditioning that was different from what you learned about acting? Oh, well, what, you know, one of the things is like, this is it's such an unnatural thing uh, to, 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 to expect, for someone to expect a, a fully developed, you know, well thought out performance um, based on you know five minutes of of material that you may or may not have memorized, um, but that's what you would sort of have to trick them into thinking that. So I think you you I've learned you make a lot of very concentrated choices, um, big choices that you may not necessarily want to do when you're actually shooting it or or doing it on stage. But things that will uh, uh, catch catch an eye in in an audition and and, and get attention, like so, what? Like what's an example? Oh, I don't know. Oh, well, <laughs> all right. So I used to um, I used to. Uh, this is one where it kind of went south, but uh, in a funny way. I used to audition for commercials a lot. I used to do a ton of commercials when I was first starting out, and I did a. I was in an audition for an Aflac commercial, and I walked in there. You know the duck, the, the insurance duck, and um, the, the whole bit was I had to walk up a, a mountain. And this duck was following me, you know, saying Aflac. And so I had a, they gave me a backpack and it was, they actually weighted it down 
So it was a heavy backpack and I was climbing the mountain. And of course you have to like sort of mime that you're climbing a mountain. And I got to the top and I made a choice. It, it wasn't in the script, but I was so frustrated with this duck that I took my backpack off and I th threw it off the mountain. And there was about 20 people in this room. And the second it left my hand, everybody in the room went, no, 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 no. And it, it hit the floor with this audible crack. And I, and I started to smile. <laughs> I was like, what was in that bag? And the writer, the writer right next to me went, that was my laptop, my new laptop. Oh my God. And I was like, oh man. All right, Mistake. see you guys on set. <laughs> They should have hired you after that, though. That was another thing I learned about auditioning was that you just got to have a good sense of humor about it, and like you, you, you almost—it's—it's it's this weird thing where you kind of have to go in there with the attitude that you don't want it, that you don't need it, or or at least make it less important to you somehow. Because they'll sense it. Yeah, it's if you're scared. Yeah, it's hard to. Yeah, exactly. It's it's also just hard. It's a hard thing to learn. It used to be that I would convince myself I didn't want it, um, but now I can just. You know, after a while, you you just get more comfortable with it, and it's uh, now I find them very fun. Is, is that almost like the segue into improv? Because with mm -hmm. improv, I imagine you're going into a sketch and you have to fully be there. You mm -hmm. can't think of how the audience is responding to you. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, you can't help but think about how the audience is responding because, especially in comedy improv, like the laughter is is oxygen. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, you know when you're on the right track and on the wrong track or on the wrong track based on the audience's reaction. But um, yeah, the, the, the improv was a, an exercise in listening. It was a very good life uh, exercise as, as a matter of fact. Like I think I listen better in life, like I'm a better husband because of improv. That's interesting because it's like, like let's say you're, Wife says something. Does your brain suddenly branch it? Okay, I have twelve choices here. <laughs> yeah. One's going to be funny. One's going to piss her off. Yes, you yes, know. yeah. I just yes and. That's uh, what you do. Yes and. Rule number one of improv. Yes, honey, and. Um, and then what's the second rule? Um, what do you mean? I always what's see the, yes and as the first rule. What's the second rule? Oh, the second rule is uh, never kill your scene partner. Huh. I think, uh, which you always do. You always kill him because it's funny. And um, the third rule is my favorite. This one was taught to me by Matt Walsh um, of the Upright Citizens Brigade. He was my second level, third level teacher. And this, I think, is the secret to their success and also something I've just tried to do in my life outside of acting as well, which is um, your main job is to make, don't worry about yourself, make your scene partner look good. Hmm. And if you do that right, you will look good by default. So it kind of, um, it gets you out of your head in a way. Like you don't have to worry about, it, it, it makes you less self-conscious and more keyed into the person you're, you're improvising with. That's interesting. So, so I could see that working in many areas of mm -hmm. life from yeah. relationships to business to even acting mm -hmm. um, where you're very generous to Dwayne Johnson. On the, you could see it on the, on the set. What about if you were doing stand-up, which you've, you've I've seen you do it at least once, but you've probably done it more than that. Like stand up, where you're the only person on the stage. Yeah, I do. I've done. Uh, I call it fake stand up. You know, like if I do a corporate gig where I've got to go out and do five minutes of local material for a for a business convention or something. It's almost like I know, I know the you know the the 
the, the, I know what to do. I know the, the, the act of doing stand-up, and I know how to write a joke, but I don't think I could sustain that for too long um, unless I threw my whole life into it because I feel like stand-up is something, you know, celebrities sometimes will start doing stand-up um, and they'll just immediately like start bumping people at clubs. You know, they'll they'll bump people who like they just dedicate their lives to this thing. Um, and I always thought like stand up is one of the true art forms of comedy in that it's um, at least personally I would have to give it my entire life. And the most successful comedians are the ones that they they just throw their their whole. Uh, soul into it, you know? Um, so I would never denigrate it by <laughs> doing anything more than five minutes of fake stand-up. Well, the 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 one time I saw you on Ari Shafir's, I mean, you did a hilarious job as a storytelling stand-up, which is well, a style. He, yeah, he's a, a very good of, coach too. Yeah, he was very good. He's very funny. Very funny guy and, and gave me a lot of like pointers, you know, like maybe things to, you know, stand back on, things to hit harder. Um, that was really fun to do, and that—that's a true story. Uh, you know what? What? Uh, gosh, so, I, I just got the the rap message, but there's so many things I want to ask. So let me let me narrow it. We're down. doing a double one. <laughs> yep, we're going around again. When you, I, I have to jump to to. 2006, you leave The Daily Show, you're on six, you're in a pilot called The Winners. Yeah, which is which, the worst name for a show. You're asking for trouble. Right, they're not winners. <laughs> winners That's the first response anyone's More like ask. losers. <laughs> and it, it's, of course, canceled after six episodes. Yeah. And then it seems like these are your dark years from 2006, yeah. 2007, maybe a little it, 2008. Yeah. Like The writer's it, strike happened. Yeah so, yeah, so now that it's, 12 years later or 10 years later, we all just see it as a list of IMDb credits. But what were you going through in those years? Like, were you worried? Oh like, God. it's a financial crisis also. Like, were you worried yeah. you weren't going to get a job? Yes. What happened? How did you survive this? I thought maybe it was over. I was making no money. Uh, it was the writer's strike. So there wasn't even a chance to get a job at that point. Um, there was, uh, I just moved to a, 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 a city that I didn't know or understand with a new family, like my, with a two month old daughter. And so it was a very, very stressful time. And what I did was, because I didn't have anything to do, was that I spent eight hours a day learning how to be productive. So I was, I was productive for eight hours learning productivity. Doing, what, did, what were you doing? Were you a lot on? of different things, but mo mostly I landed on this thing called GTD, uh, David Allen's thing. It's um, basically just like, how to write a better to-do list. And it's basically just getting everything out of your head and onto some sort of device or piece of paper, an inbox, he calls it. And so the idea being that your, your mind is still for, for uh, ideas, for creativity to happen. Because everything, because if, we, if we're like, oh yeah, I gotta, do a, I gotta do something, you don't write it down, it's in your head. You're a little afraid that you might forget it and that causes a certain amount of stress, whether you know it or not. Um, so this is like, and, and I mean, out of that came Children's Hospital. Hmm. You know, my mind was, I, I sort of, it was very meditative. Um, and then my daughter hurt herself. Uh, her, pulled her, she had this thing called a hand, hand 
nurse nursemaids the handmaid's tail <laughs> the, the nursemaid's elbow that? i don't know uh nursemaid's elbow which is like a ligament just uh-huh. just gets pushed out and it's easy to fix but we didn't know that at the time we took her to the children's hospital which is the least funny place in the world and um on the way home it just kind of popped into my my head so so wait let me understand so you would you would start off this morning uh, each morning making a to-do list of sorts i would just learn i would go on the internet and learn about how to make because I'm a list person. I make a better to do list, or at least in a grand sense, how to get more things done more efficiently. And what would you write down on a typical day? I promise we'll we'll, we'll end in one minute. Everything, absolutely everything. Like but you, you have do nothing a, to do. You do a dump. I know, right? You do like a, a a brain. You just dump your brain out onto a piece of paper or a, whatever. It was a Palm Pilot at the time, I think, um, and. Anything, even things that you're not even sure you really have to do. Just anything like, I, I would just walk around my house and be like, I've, I've wanted to fix that table. Or uh, so, so putting these things down. I want to write this movie. Would make you feel less stressed, mm-hmm. even though the world may have been falling apart, may not have yeah. been. You didn't really know. You know oh, what you really know is in the, in the middle. <laughs> yeah. And then that left room for the creativity <laughs> Of it's sort of like uh, Julia Cameron's free writing in the artist way. Exactly. So it lets like the cre- creativity kind of come through somehow. Yeah. In the, in Which the I end. used to love. Like I, I loved uh, the artist way. Big, big uh, self help book. Yeah. Lover. That's no, great. And, I love and, it. And then Children's Hospital, you just sort of called up all your friends and like, hey, let's make a YouTube yeah. a web series. Yeah. That's what it was a real revelation for me. Like, why do anything with people I don't love? Because uh, because it's going to be a recipe for success. If um, you just get the funniest people that, who you love the most in the world and surround yourself with them. And then, you know, in terms of my producing partners, they were the smartest people I knew as well. Like, And I think surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you is another recipe. Well, and, and interesting too that you went ahead and did it uh, you said, "Hey, we could even just do this on the internet." Doesn't we had have that to was be the only place we show. could too, and then it became a TV show. Yeah, and, and 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 also interesting in there is that you were able to bring in and motivate all your friends. Like you, yeah. you, you were—I don't know how many episodes of Party Down you were in, but Ken Marino was one <laughs> of the stars of that, and Ken Marino's in Children's That's Hospital, right. and it seems like like every little piece, like you were in. A couple episodes of Arrested Development, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. You got Henry Winkler on Children's Hospital, That's right. and Michael Sarah does the uh, did the uh, attention staff uh, announcements. Okay, yes. I, I didn't yeah. know that. And, uh, and it's, it's the whole thing's hilarious. But I guess that then kept you going mm-hmm. until yeah, Hot Tub Time Machine, and, yes. and so on. Very much so. Well, uh, Rob Corddry, this next season of Ballers is excellent. I really feel grateful that you're on so i was get, able to watch the the season in advance and uh they gave hope, you the whole season they gave they, well, they gave me they, they gave me everything that's so, pretty good yeah they, they there's a warning everything might change <laughs> yeah 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 but it's great and uh uh you know good luck on this season i hope you come back on the show there's i have like I a will, thousand man. more questions this is so much fun thank yeah. you for having me Thanks. yeah this is great 